as the Symes were speaking about um, the justification for their trip and how they were going to go down to just encourage Andy and Amy, and it wasn't such so much of a work trip, I thought of Second uh, Corinthians, um, which I preached several years ago. Second Corinthians is a, an account, a journal from the Apostle Paul of the despair of the Apostle Paul, of his darkest time in his life and in his ministry when he felt the lowest. He said, I, I was so despairing, I felt it so deep within my bones that I almost lost the will to live. And he wasn't exaggerating. And, and on several occasions in that book, uh, I, I couldn't find it uh, quick enough, uh, but he talks about how encouraged he was to receive a visit from uh, some of the people in Corinth and some of the other apostles. And none of those people came out to help Paul make tents or do a building project. They came out, he says what was encouraging was that they came out to see me and to be with me. The Apostle Paul found that that was valuable for him and valuable for his ministry. So that just puts that in a little bit of a biblical context. It's interesting to me, <laughs> I've been up here for 15 years and that ministry, my ministry drawing to a close here, uh, um, I, I got a, a memory Reminder on my email feed from, uh, from my cloud service that I store all my pictures in. And they had some videos that we took from about seven, eight years ago where the Symes, the Bonins, the Denisons, and the Schmitz were over at our house having dinner. And I saw all of them together. It's been such, and, and I know so many stories of people here. Uh, people who have gone out, some of them to, uh, to just pursue other jobs and to build their families. I think of Kevin and Laura Kruger, who you may remember, and Ed and Miriama Douglas. Uh, uh, and they moved to follow jobs, but every, both of them asked me to pray with them to search for and to find God's will for their life. We've had people in the midst of successful careers and very gifted uh, uh, people decide that they want to do something different. Uh, some of our young people just starting out, they want to go to somewhere exotic that's outside of the box, that's new and different, where they're outside of their comfort zone. And when I first came here, one of those people was Tyler Dean. I first came here, Tyler was proposing a massive budget annual budget of something like $7,500. <laughs> Tyler needed, I was thinking $7,500. Anyway, uh, he, he, went, he went overseas. He did all kinds of things. He did a beach ministry with uh, YWAM, and then I forget what part of the world he went to next, but he went all over the world. And Jessica went all over the world, and they met in Lausanne, Switzerland. And where did God's will lead the deans? back to Grand Marais to own a, a small department store in a town that's up at the end of the road. Meanwhile, Annie and Amy, God has led, after they, their house nearly slid off a bank into the Flute Reed River, they built a brand new house. Andy wondering what in the world he's going to do because he's never built a house. 
They build a brand new house and God says, great, that's a beautiful house. Now, uh, maybe one of these days you'll even get to live in it because I want you to pack up and go to maybe Tanzania. But I want you to go do something in my name. And right now I want you to think about Tanzania. Now I want you to think about Panama. And it's been, it's been quite the journey. The Denisons went from here to Wisconsin over to the jungles in Laos. So where there, there, is, there is no rule about where we go or what we do to be in God's will. In 1991, a movie was shown, a movie called City Slickers. Anybody, anybody seen it? Oh, geez. That's why I got to retire. See? It's a story about three middle-aged guys in the suburbs who are having a midlife crisis, and so to shake things up, they're going to go out and do a cattle drive. A cattle drive at a dude ranch out in the west somewhere. It was Billy Crystal and a couple other guys and Jack Palance. In the middle of that movie, kind of at the, the turning point or the, the focal point of the movie, Jack Palance, who is this hard cowboy, got a little cigarette hanging out of his mouth, he says, you know what the secret of life is to the city slicker Billy Crystal? And Billy says, no, I don't. He says, this. And Billy says, your finger? One thing. You find that one thing and then nothing else matters. Billy Crystal says, well, that sounds good, but what's that one thing? That's what you've got to find out. You've got to find your one thing. And from that, if you Google find your one thing, you will find umpteen hundreds of pep talks and life coach uh, YouTube uh, of film things, and uh, do they even do TED Talks anymore? Is that a thing anymore? Is that passe already? And, and that all started back in 1991, this, this idea that you need to find your one thing. And that's what this is about. In Psalm 27, verse 4, the psalmist says one thing. And what, what is the one thing that the psalmist has found? The one thing that if you have it, and build your life around it, then all the other things fall into place. The one thing that orders and prioritizes your decision-making process in your life. The one thing that takes all the good possibilities as well as all the bad experiences and gives them a context so that they can have meaning and they're not just a bunch of this flurry of experiences. The one thing for the psalmist is, the one thing I have asked from the Lord, and that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate or to seek him in his temple. The one thing that the psalmist, King David, decided was the ordering thing in his life, the one thing he would ask of God was that he could dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life. Now this doesn't mean he wants to live in the temple in Jerusalem and not leave it. Nor am I suggesting that the, the, the most important unifying thing you could do with your life is spend all your time here at the church, on church committees, church business, church-based ministries. 
The house of the Lord here, dwelling in the house of the Lord is a metaphor for dwelling within the will of God. If you remember the Psalm 23, it starts out with us being sheep, being happy with just green grass and quiet waters, and God is a shepherd. And we're all very happy with that, but at some point, for reasons we don't understand, God leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. One verse. We lose sight of God, but we know his staff and his rod are there that guides us and protects us on our way through the other side of the valley. And when we come out the other side of that valley, we're no longer sheep and he's no longer a shepherd. We, he's a king. And we are his children. And he is filling our cup and toasting us. He is anointing us as royal heirs in the presence of our enemies. And at the end of that, the 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 climax, the, the chief of all the blessings, even better than still waters and quiet streams, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Dwelling in the house of the Lord as an heir, as a servant of God but as, and as a child of God, but as an heir to his promise and an heir to his kingdom. What the psalmist is saying, Lord, let me Dwell with you as your child and be part of your enterprise and all that that means. And God grants that to all of us. And in Christ, we are all always in the presence of God. We are living with God, not just as our roommate, but, with our, but as our parent, our royal, our kingly parent who is teaching us the secrets of the kingdom and how we can rule with him to do things that create joy. Now, what, there are two aspects of living with God, of dwelling with God and being in his will. The first is to behold the beauty of the Lord. And there's all kinds of things. We're all into beauty up here when we look out at the lake at this time of year and see the sea smokes coming up, those wisps, tens of thousands of them up, going up in the sky. Or when you look out uh, on one of our moon-filled, uh, bitter cold nights after the last snowfall, when you saw all that, the moonlight on all these trees that have collected all of the snow, this, of course, is beauty, God's beauty. But it's not, in my estimation, the most beautiful thing of God. The most beautiful thing that we get to behold, I believe, that God is at the very center of, is the stories that each of us bring about how God has been at work in our life. When we come together to worship and to hear how he is working in each other's lives, rejoicing and seeing it all come together. All the struggles. And there's a pastor. The, the thing that gets me up in the morning, the thing that keeps me going, is to the memory of and to hear new stories about people's struggles. As I said, I just can't figure out where I belong. I don't understand. I train for this, or I want to do that, or I've gotten what I wanted to do, but I'm not happy with it. I'm, I'm looking, where do I fit into God's will? And to watch them struggle with that and search for that and to stay faithful in the search for it, sometimes over years, and then see God pull things together. 
And just about the time you think, well, finally God's got them right where he wants them, he does something else with their life. And as you watch that, you can, I can see God doing incredible things in the lives of these people and through the lives of those people. And to me, that is the greatest beauty of the Lord that there is. When God brings it all together and he does in us and through us things we never thought we could do on our own. That is the kind of rejoicing that, uh, that wisdom in the Proverbs, that Jesus Christ as he created as the master workman, uh, he rejoiced always at his father's side and he rejoices most of all in uh, and delights most of all in the sons of men. Hmm. To enjoy and rejoice in the beauty of his plan and his intentions all coming together and bearing fruit. And the next thing, of course, is to, it says in my version, to meditate in his temple. But that's not a very good choice. Usually the New American Standard, I think, does a better job. But this time, really, the Hebrew word is, it's more not just meditating on a received word. It's seeking a word from God. It's inquiring of God. It's seeking God and his word and then reflecting on the response. Search, ask, and reflect. If we are in his house, and if we envision, if what it means to be in God's will doesn't mean we're in Panama or we're in uh, Grand Marais. It doesn't mean that we're, 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 we're uh, employed in full-time Christian work or uh, whatever that is, or we're selling uh, shoes and uh, Pendleton wool shirts uh, downtown. It's not a matter of the, the being in God's will means we are in God's house as his children, learning from him. And today's word from God is all we need. We need today's direction for this moment's decisions. That's being in the will of God. That's what I wanted. I just, all I want, when I tell you I want you to be considering about what it means to be in the will of God for your life, I am asking you to be aware that your important decisions of what you do with your time and how you relate, do you, is there a good thing that you have opportunity to do in the next five minutes? A good thing, something kind, something good. Is there a patient thing you can do? A loving thing? Is there a just thing? Is there some good work you can do? And if you're listening for God's spirit and his direction, as dad tells us how to go about doing the family business in his kingdom, then you are within God's will. And if you learn how to listen for those moments, you might find yourself all of a sudden surprised to find God telling you that, you know, have you ever thought about going to Tanzania? Have you ever thought about the jungles of Laos? You're not ready for the big things until you're ready to listen for God's direction moment by moment in the daily things. Search, ask, reflect. We do the daily things until all of a sudden God breaks in with something big. 
And when God breaks in with something big, it usually looks like this. An extraordinary need that creates an extraordinary opportunity for the gospel, for the church, or for you. And you see these two things. You're just impressed with the, the power of this need. The world, the world is full of needs. But when God presents you with something that just says, that, that calls out to your heart, and it's a need, and you can't imagine how you could ever possibly get that done on your own. You're in, out, you're, you, you've been in You've been traveling, you're 80 years old, or 75 years old, you've been traveling in Africa for the last three weeks, you're on some godforsaken patch of southern Uganda, and you see this little tiny uh, clinic where they try to minister, and there's some Benedictine sisters trying to save babies and mothers in childbirth, and there's this hull of a building that was started who knows how long ago and isn't finished, and you look at it and God says, that's your project. Well, wait a minute. What am, what am I going to do with that? That's the project. We're going to get that done. And you say to the sisters, oh geez, you say to the sisters who are there, I'm going to do this. That's Gordon Lindquist's story. That's because Gordon spent a whole lifetime being obedient to God and a lot of little things being helpful to our government and, and being over in Africa for uh, other missions that he was doing for health projects that I don't completely understand, obviously. But in that moment, God showed him this extraordinary need, this incredible opportunity. And when that happens, you can suspect with good reason that God is right nearby. Start sniffing the air because it's going to start smelling like heaven. God is, is going to say, this is something that I'm going to do and you're part of it. Well, how am I? The next step. Remember your training. What's the next step? So when we listen to the next steps, and not often enough when we're cleaning, doing housekeeping, because again, we'll go back to the metaphor, if we're living in the house of God, most of our jobs have to do with dusting, cleaning the windows, sweeping the floors, mopping things up. Every now and again, we get to throw a party, invite a lot of people. But it's household chores. But every now and then, you get a special project. Being in the one thing that will order your life, the one thing that will bring every other good bad thing and every other bad thing into a context that gives it meaning, that allows you to go through all of it and still have hope, still have direction, still have a purpose for life, is to remember that you do dwell in the house of the Lord. That he is your king, he is your father, and he is going to toast you. He is going to anoint you to make you a, a fellow royal. Listen, learn, be obedient on a day-to-day -day basis, and then look for the projects that he's got. And that's, that's our whole thing. That's how it is. Some people figure out that they got to go to Panama, and some people figure that they got to come from Luzon back to Grand Marais. That one thing, and that I have asked of the Lord, 
that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, to watch him as he works, and to meditate in his temple, to inquire of him, to seek him in his temple, and take his direction. Let's pray. Lord God, we give you thanks for the chance that we have to join you. We thank you for your beauty. I thank you for the many, many stories I've seen unfold here and for the different directions and for the fact that faithful people have listened for you and grown in faith because you are even more faithful by far than we are and you have taken them all over the place. You've changed their lives and you've directed them and that you are weaving it all together in one of these days, Lord Jesus be able to sit around a campfire and listen to all the places that your will took us. I pray that you would bless us as we seek your will this day. In Jesus' name, amen.